right. Well, in the COVID era, when we were trying to find alternative ways to connect and be social with one another, um, my kids discovered or rediscovered a game that you may be familiar with when you were growing up, a game called Kick the Can. And, and we, what we learned in the COVID era is that some pretty epic games of Kick the Can can happen in Old South Baltimore. Right? We, we dusted off the, the, the kick the can game, and, and, and so the, the adults would like gather around a fire and just talk, because that's what we do, right? But our kids would play these amazing games of kick the can, and would find themselves just, just having a really great time doing it. Um, I, it was always a good sign when they, when they sprinted by and they were winded. I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. But on the walk home, as we were returning home, I, I would, you know, there's the hider position, uh, in, in Kick the Can, and as I was hearing them talk about the places they would hide, I was always like wildly impressed by the things that they would, would find to, to hide in, right? Like, like wait, you, you hid where? You did what? Like, okay, well, maybe don't do that one again, because that probably wasn't super safe, but, but like, it's amazing when, when the competitive juices get flowing and the creative mind is applied, the places that our kids would find to hide in playing this game. And isn't it true, isn't it true in your life that what I just said is, is a really clever transition and metaphor for, for you as adults who aren't just sitting by the fire chatting, but simultaneously are finding your own professional level places to hide and evade the difficult things that are going on in our story. Right? Like, like this phone is such a clever tool for how we go to a place and look like we're really busy so that we don't have to talk to anyone, right? Or, or, or various other ways that we hide to um, evade the difficult things that we feel like are coming to us, coming at us, and we're facing. So, so we're in this series that we're calling The Thing Beneath the Thing. The Thing Beneath the Thing, which is actually um, uh, derived from a book written by a guy named Steve Carter. We're not preaching the book. We're not preaching the, the content of his words, but just that, that acronym that he uses and the general baseline idea, which is this, that a lot of us have equated Christianity. Maybe we were raised up in this. Maybe, maybe we adopted it or observed it somehow because I didn't grow up going to church, but I observed this from the culture around me, that, that Christianity was like a series of of behaviors that like people like adhered to. And then they followed and they, okay, they, and they did those things effectively or the well, and, and if they proclaimed that they did those things and didn't actually, they were hypocrites. Like, like that, was, that was sort of a thing I observed about Christianity. But, but then here's the tension in real life, and you can relate to it whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. It's that it can, they just ethics alone, right, just by themselves, like, like all of us all the time don't do things that we know that we're supposed to do, and, and we do things lots of times that we know are really self-destructive. Paul talks about this in this book called Romans. It's this, it's this theological masterpiece of sorts in, in terms of like his thesis level, like what is grace? How does it apply? Romans 7 verse 19, Paul gets pretty vulnerable. He goes, I, I, the, I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And, and whether you, you know, follow Jesus or not, you can probably relate to that tension. So the thing beneath the thing says this, 
that instead of just living in a space where we, we equate Christianity to modifying our behaviors, let's look at the real invitation of Jesus to abundant life, to, to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, and deal with the spaces below the surface where God's spirit, God's sacrifice, God's love wants to work and bring flourishing. So last week, our friend Josh talked about the idea of triggers. The idea of just life is going to happen in a way where there's going to be things that happened to you or happen around you that they're going to set you up and they're going to set you off. And like, and, and some of us that we, we've seen really resourceful places that can take us, that can take us to go, hey, I need to go get help. I need to go get some of this. I need to go talk to a friend. But it can also take us to some really heavy and hard places. So today we want to talk about hideouts. So we get the TH. See, we're building out an acronym. Thing. Yeah, so there's, there you go. That's where it's coming from. We're talking about the idea of hideouts today. Let me, before we dive into the idea of hideouts, let me just say this. Um, one of the things I think is really valuable in this conversation, because we might kick up some stuff in your story, is, is hey, we want to be a church that prays for you. That's the Connect card. We want to be a church that like, connects you to a group. We can do that through the Connect card. We want to be a church that invites you to other outreach events and opportunities. We can do that through the Connect card. So see what I'm saying there, right? But, but, but like one of the things, but one of the things that we can also do through the Connect card or organically, is, is really just say, hey, we are a church that wants to value the, the sacred space of, of just godly wisdom. And so, like, one of the things this conversation may kick up is just, hey, I want to get some additional help, right? Maybe, maybe there's a recovery group, some of which meet at the church we can connect you to. Maybe you want to talk to a counselor or a therapist, and we have a referral list. And so I just want to offer that to you, um, that we are a church that, that cares about that side, too. We're not not just a church that says, well, suck it up and pray and just get over it, <laughs> right? That's, that's not the posture that we're trying to come to this conversation with. In fact, we're trying to invite to the surface the spaces and places that are vulnerable and hard so that we can invite God's spirit to work and move in those places as well, so that we can really experience the rest that God offers, okay? So let's talk about hideouts for a minute. The metaphoric places that we go to escape the, the pain of our story, you know? Um, the, you know and so, like, something that we use to evade discomfort or make us feel better about our, our circumstances. Now, now, here's the challenge of this, is that you can really easily see this in someone else, can't you? You can see the person who opens up their laptop to escape having a real conversation or puts on their headphones because they want to, they're not even listening to anything when they're walking or jogging in the neighborhood. They just don't want to be addressed or, or made eye contact with in some way, right? Like this is easy to see when you've got a roommate or a partner or somebody that you're like, man, you really choose some really unhelpful ways to, to evade difficult conversations, <laughs> But this can be really hard to see in yourself. I think we have to admit that. I think the other thing we have to admit that's tense about this conversation is that, is that we can't just make a naughty list. We can't just make a list of like Netflix is the devil and online shopping is the devil and, and food is the devil and like kids, sock, kids sports and club sports are the devil. They may feel, all those things may feel true at some point in time, but, but on some level when we talk about this hideout conversation, we're actually talking about the motivation that we apply to these respective things, right? Like 
You know, take alcohol, for example, right? They, they, for some of us, that may be a place where we gather socially or we celebrate or we feast. And then, and then there's obviously a, another side of that where, where someone might be medicating or escaping or trying to run from a difficult conversation, right? Youth sports can be one of those things that we plug into because we love to see our kids discover the joy of athletics and competition and team sports and, um, you know, them discovering their gifts or... We could be living vicariously through our children or trying to like, you know, escape, you know, the realities of, of maybe a difficult relationship that we're in. Um, and so we just kind of run, 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 run all weekend long. Does that make sense? Like for me in COVID, this was tricky because, because work felt productive and like a way to be in control when I didn't know how to control anything else. I didn't know how to parent during a pandemic. I didn't know how to be a husband during a pandemic. I didn't know how to be a pastor during a pandemic. But man, did I know how to answer emails. I know how to answer emails. And the problem with answering emails is that people reply back to you. And, and dare I say, they reply all. <laughs> like, so, so, so here's the trick, right? Like, like, work can become a thing, right? Being a pastor in the pandemic, an important thing to do. But if I'm honest, there were moments where it was a hideout for me to address running from the fear or the uncertainty that I was, or the grief that I was feeling in my own spirit during this time. So that's the essence of this conversation. I think that's really tough. And so we can't just leave today going, well, Scott said Netflix is bad. <laughs> um, Scott, said, Scott said Amazon Prime is the devil. Scott said this is, is the worst thing that we could do. So that, that's not, if you catch that today, you're, you're missing the point. Because the point is really to confront what are the motivations that lead us to those places? What can we identify that we go to? I mean, it might be helpful for us to see and identify. And go, man, I do. I do. When I, you know, uh, when I get to a crowd of people, I run to my phone. Why? Because I really have a fear of loneliness. I really have a fear of rejection. And, and like, that is a space that God wants to confront with his love and his grace and his mercy rather than sort of keeping us in sort of that medicated place of, well, at least I'm getting the dopamine hit from Candy Crush right? So let's talk about this in, in, uh, in, in another reality, right? Here's, here's the good news. This isn't, this isn't the internet's fault. This isn't, this isn't, yeah, I have a lot of beef with big tech, but like this isn't their, their, this isn't their fault. This isn't the fault of a current president or a past president. This is like a human condition we see go all the way back to the beginning of time. Right, so if we look at Genesis 3 together, we can, we, can, we can pay attention to the reality that this is not a new problem. Genesis 1 and 2 give us these beautiful creation accounts, these, these beautiful details of the, the intimacy and the design in which God brought flourishing to the world. In the end of Genesis 2, there's this, there's this line that says, Adam and his wife were naked and they felt no shame, which the junior high boy in me always giggles at initially. But like, but like it's a beautiful and poetic invitation to say this. God had created a perfect world. Adam and Eve and God were cool and tight. Adam and Eve had a great and an adjusted relationship with themselves individually, and God, God had created a pathway for Adam and Eve to have oneness 
as a couple, which, by the way, right, like we know is tougher than it sounds. So Genesis 3 comes along, and if you're not familiar with the story, a talking snake, who is a personification of evil in this context, comes to Adam and Eve and casts doubt on all of the beauty and all of the intimacy that God has created. And he cast this doubt through saying to Adam, like, did, did God really say, did God really say, don't, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, maybe, why would God say it? Maybe God's holding out on you. Maybe God's actually pretty convinced that you can just do God's job. And that's, so God's kind of holding out on you. So there's this triggering moment, right, that happens in Genesis 3. Um, Spoiler alert, you've read, even if you've not read the text, Adam and Eve partake, they disobey what's been carved out for them in terms of this perfect intimacy. And and then where we're going to pick up our reading for our purposes today, we're going to see that this is not a new problem. This isn't Apple's fault. This isn't isn't the president's fault. This isn't the past president's fault. This isn't the future president's fault. This isn't your dad's fault. This isn't your, you know, this is like human nature. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the cool of the garden, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? What just happened? Hiding and covering up. So they didn't have an iPhone at the party and they didn't have Netflix to binge one more episode to like not have the conversation that you've been delaying having and, and, and they, didn't, they didn't have a sport to like invest themselves in fully, but they, they hide and they cover up. Right? And I, and I think for some of us in this room, I mean, just, just to receive a little bit of grace for ourselves, life is hard, life has happened. Difficult things have been put in front of you, some of which you never scripted, you didn't ask for, you didn't invite. And, and, and guess what? Like, part of being human is, is coming to a place where we, we see in ourselves, like, one of the things we do when triggered by those difficulties is we go to a place where we hide. And I think what happens next, I mean, so much, I think, of what we know about Genesis 3 is sort of like, if we just were to summarize it, I would go, well, man, man messed it all up and then God had to fix it, right? But we, we tend to, especially if we're behavior modificationists, focus on the mankind messed it up thing. But one of the things we see in Genesis 3, even when the fracture has happened, as it has happened right now, we've got Adam and Eve hiding, covering up, is how God meets those who are hiding and those who are covering up. And God asks some really specific questions we're going to look at over our last few minutes to sort of help us see what God's heart is for this humanity who has gone into hiding. Here's the first thing that's said in verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me fruit to eat from the tree 
and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So these questions that God asks, I think are are good questions for us to consider as we consider God's invitation to move us from a place of hiding and covering up into a place of freedom and rest and dare I say, the John 10, 10, abundant life, the, the first Timothy six nineteen picture where Paul says the life that is truly life that Jesus offers. The first question God asks is where are you? Now I am not a scholar of ancient Hebrew, okay? Spoiler alert. But one of the things I was listening to someone wrestle with um, that, that is a rabbi was um, the, the distinction here in the ancient Hebrew between, uh, in, in the words, where are you, right? And, and he, the, the way he put it was, was kind of this way, that the tone and tenor of this, this ancient Hebrew would, would hearken itself to say, hey, there's, there's, when we say, hey, where is something, there's, there's two kinds of connotations to it, right? There's, there's the connotation that says, um, hey, where is that million-dollar check that Ed McMahon promised me in 1992 when I, when I filled out the publisher's clearinghouse thing that said I may already be a millionaire, right? And like some of you I just lost entirely because that was the thing that happened in 1992 that you didn't even know was like basically, hey, mail this thing back and you might be a millionaire. And like if you were the 12-year-old getting the mail for your mom and dad, like you took that real serious. Like we are millionaires. We've been selected. And my parents were like, no, it's a scam. Um, <laughs> like anyway, like, like there's, a, there's this thing that you like, where, are, where is it? Like it was never here to begin with. I don't have any clue where it is. Like, like if you're a parent, and the kid's like, where's my soccer shoe? Like, and you didn't babysit the soccer shoe. You know, like, you have no clue what, what pile of Legos this thing may be buried under, which couch cushion or car cushion this thing might be in. You have no clue. Where is it? I don't know. I never knew where it was to begin with. But then there's a where is it and where, where are you, right? That, is, that denotes like, like, say every day you come home and you put your keys on a particular ring. Like you have a whole check down procedure. You know, you put your bag here, you, you put your thing here and you take off your shoes and you put on your sweater, Mr. Rogers style. And, and like, and you know, every day at 4.31 p.m., like this key goes on this ring. But then afterward, when you've, you finish walking the dog and you realize that you wanted to go run an errand or go see a friend, you go back to that key ring, and now it's not there. Like, wait a second. I remember it being there. It's supposed to be there, and now it's not there. And this rabbi was explaining that the where are you here is that kind of, that kind of lostness. There's a place you're supposed to be. There's a oneness that's supposed to be here in this moment, but but you're not participating in it. You're, you're hiding behind a tree. You're covering up. You're, you're, you're fleeing the flourishing and the intimacy that I have for you. And, and this is the lie of our hideouts, isn't it? That that short-term dopamine hit, that short-term ability to evade a difficult feeling or emotion, that it's, that it's a better way than having to play through the tension and difficulty of walking in the light of something hard or heavy, right? This, this is the game I think we play, right? Adam and Eve are playing this game where, like, it, it's like, you know, this is like hide and seek with a toddler, isn't it? Like, God knows where they are, 
It, you know, you, if you ever played hide and seek with a toddler and they have like a pillow covering their head, you know, like, oh, but here's the, here's the legs, like, and you go, oh, where could she be? God's not shocked by where they are. It's the statement is to say, hey, there, there is a place that you're supposed to be, but you're not there. And then this is, the, this is the thing that God is introducing to Adam and Eve that is part of this hideouts conversation that, that God is offering us in, in these invitations to walk in light, in this invitation to say, hey, I don't want to confront the heavy and hard situations in front of me, but I have to. I don't want to confront the reality that, that maybe I, I do some things to escape and that's gotten me to a really dark and heavy place. Like, like, the, like the thing that like keeps us stuck is that belief that just like, well, if I just keep hiding one more day, I can just keep putting off the conversation. And we all know it doesn't go away. Adam and Eve hiding here doesn't change the reality of what's happened, but it does change the ability to receive the grace and mercy and justice of God in the midst of their story. And I think that's an invitation for our consideration as well. Like the, our hideouts, we've gotten so good at them and I'm not mad at you about it because I got my own too. And, and like, boy, oh boy, do they just tell us like, this life is better if you don't confront this and you don't think about this and you don't deal with this. But here's what we all know. We all know that at some point that buzz comes down. We know at some point, like, like mom's going to call again. We know at some point it'll be Thanksgiving and we have to figure out whether or not we're going to go see family after what happened last year. Like, like we cannot hide forever. And, and God has invited us to, to experience a, a, a mercy and grace that is difficult for us to experience if we're just hitting the next Netflix thing and Netflix is sending us that passive aggressive, like, are you still there? Are you still good? Like, do you have a problem? Do we need to talk? We miss the grace and mercy that, 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 that the New Testament authors talk about when they talk about walking in light when they talk about the freedom that's offered, I mean, the, the, the truth will set you free. It might make you miserable. It's gonna make you miserable. Most, most like, can we just, it's gonna be miserable at first, right? But the pathway to real freedom is, is, what, is what Adam and Eve are, are missing here in the tone of that question. There's the second question that says, who told you you were naked? Now, now nakedness has not been a problem for Adam and Eve up to this point. And the problem, you know, so there's something really interesting in this, in this conversation. Who told you that? In other words, what voice have you chosen to listen to, right? We were, Genesis 2.24, we were, we were naked and unashamed. Mind, body, soul, we were naked and unashamed. Now we're hiding and we're covering up and there's some other set of voices that you're embracing that are, that are lying to you about whether or not it's okay to be naked and unashamed in this place, it's really important for us, I think, maybe to consider the voices that, that, that inform the places that we go to hide, right? The, the things that we listen to. It could be external, right? Like there's always in your life a friend who will tell you what you want to hear versus a friend who will tell you what you need to hear. There's always somebody who is just your fun friend that goes, well, just forget about it and let's go hang out and get hammered and see what happens in Fed Hill on Friday. Versus, hey, let's talk about the reality of the difficult situation. Or, or just your friend that loves to be scheduled and busy. 
But then there's also the internal voices, right? One of the internal voices for me, right? Just that voice that goes, man, you know, you, you didn't, it's not that you did a wrong thing, it's that you are a wrong thing. And you'll never, you'll never get that right. You'll, you'll never be able to like please that person. You, you know, like just why, why were you, why did you do that stupid thing? Stupid, you know, stupid, 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 stupid. You know, like, like that inner shame voice. When we listen to that, when we, 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 we actually neglect like the beautiful invitation here to, 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 to identify that there's voices and influences, philosophies perhaps, that we embrace that are actually more about hiding and evading the difficult conversations in our story than really embracing the invitation that, that's being offered here. What, 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 what God is trying to get Adam and Eve to identify is like, man, you listened to something that wasn't what I was playing out for you. And, and if we can identify not just where we go, hey, I like to watch Netflix, hey, I like to eat my French fry feelings, like that's, you know, like, but, 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 but also the, the things that are being said to us about us in our head and externally, we can, we can really get to the bottom of, of the places that we go to hide and we can bring those things to the foot of the cross and see where God might take them and how God might use them to, to uh, help us walk in freedom. Lastly, there's this question of have you eaten from the tree, right? The, the, it's it's, it's to, to Eve, what is, what is this that you have done? But in both of their cases, what's happened? There's not a sense of ownership. There's a sense of blame. There's a sense of, in Adam's case, well, there's this woman, and you know how she is. And there you are, because you, you created all this stuff to begin with. And, and then here for Eve's case, well, there's this snake that was talking to me. Come on. In each of their cases, what, what happens here? There's, there's blame, isn't there? And, and let's give Adam and Eve a little bit of grace. We've all been in situations where we listen to someone or something that we probably look back in hindsight and go, yeah, I shouldn't have listened to that person. That was not the best person to listen to in a particular place. But, but, here's, but here's the difficult tension, I think, of this hideout conversation, is that how many of us know that, like, we don't have a lot of control about everything that's happened in our life and everything that's happened in our story, and we can't make that person at Thanksgiving be agreeable or kind even, and we can't, we can't make the person this week who's irrational and uh, disagreeable on our, in, our, in our staff meeting be amazingly so. If we're a teacher, we can't make that parent suddenly be on our side and think that like we're not the one that's ruining their child. But, we, but what we can do is, is pay attention to the voices that, that, like, that we're using to, to blame or justify hiding behaviors, right? Like, you know, hey, you know, but if you knew my father, you'd do this too. But if you knew where I worked and if you knew how hard it was to go to high school, you would not be so mad at me. Like, one of the things God is inviting Ab and Eve to own here is that they've made a choice. Yes, there's pressure-filled situations. Yes, there's tough things happening in, in their story. But the, 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 the idea here that God's trying to get to the heart of is like, this is, this, there was a tough thing happening around you, but what did you choose to do in this? 
And there's freedom in saying this, like I cannot control what's happened in everyone else. I can't control the irrational behavior around me, but I can, but I can keep myself from blame shifting. I can keep myself from bitterness. I can keep myself from justifying or blaming like all of this on everybody else. And I can pay attention to in my own life, the places where I may be hiding. And I'm gonna come back to this idea one more time that one of the things we see in Genesis 3 is not just God like kicking over tables and, and, and slapping his hand down and just being a really mean guy. What we see happen in Genesis 3.15 is this, is this promise that, that God is going to make this right, that God's going to find a way to make this right. And, and working, meeting Adam and Eve in their shame to like make them close and, and to meet them where they are. And I think that is a beautiful invitation for us to consider today out of Genesis 3. That the God of the universe is willing to meet us where we are. In the mess that we are, in the places that we've hid at and gone, in the places that we're, that we're frustrated and, and stuck. And that God is working to bring restoration in and amongst those places. And so we're going to participate together and create some space together to consider the places where we might invite God into the difficulties and the hideouts um, as we move into a time of communion. So we're going we're to create just a place for you to reflect. There's um, going to be a video that comes on the screen. It's going to have a narration accompanying it. So I encourage you, whether you need to close your eyes or kind of pay attention to the screen, whichever you want to do, let's take a few minutes and consider those places of hiding out so that we might consider where the mercy and grace of Jesus can meet us and offer us rest. Let's take a moment to reflect on our hideouts. Where do you run when you are triggered? arrive at this hideout, how do you feel? How does this feeling change over time? Might this hideout be harmful, even if it is socially acceptable? Take a moment and admit all of this to God.
ask God to reveal someone with whom you can share about these hideouts. into a time of communion, which I don't know if you've ever had to have that meal or that conversation where you're just like, oh, this is going to be so terrible. <laughs> but you knew it was important to walk in light. And we've probably got some spaces in our life where we knew that meeting was going to be terrible and it, there was no grace and there was no mercy there wasn't truth. In Jesus, we come back to the idea, what we celebrate in communion is that we have a safe place to walk in the light. That God is working to restore that naked and unashamed that's been compromised by triggers and hideouts. There are four stations in this room, all gluten-free. And over the next few moments, we invite you to receive bread and cup to, to be reminded of the grace and mercy that wants to meet us in our hiding and lead us to light and to rest. Let me pray for us and then we'll partake together. God, thank you for these questions, all of which you knew the answer to. But thank you for meeting us, not just Adam and Eve, but us in those questions. God, help us to see the places that we run so that we can see that your way is a better way. Help us to, to identify the voices that we internalize and so that we can, we can get a, a, a sense of how good your way is. And, and give us a vision, God, for a grace that meets us where we are and doesn't hide behind the, the things, the tragic things, terrible things many times that have happened around us, to us, but, but wants to walk with us to be part of that restoration to the world around us. Thank you for this reminder of your presence power. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And in the name of Jesus, we partake. Amen.